Previously on the Mortal Temples. When sparrows crowed their glory in these streets, you'd wait up all night just to see their shadow. My Lord of Sunfall, beware the full moon of March and the blades that shine in its light. I hate to say it, but I fear the people will choose lions as their leader. Savage and lions. What makes it so that lions is heard upon the lips of the mob more than savage? They had smelted the sword of the High Lord Callum of the Sparrows into a coronet of swords. They offered him the crown three times. Well, Savage, though you're noble, he was so pure that they cannot be seduced. Tonight I'll post some letters through his letterbox, all amounting to little notes which the people have sent to say how highly Sunful holds his name. Mark, this night is cursed, I could swear it. So why should Lions be a tyrant? But he sees the people of Sunfall as sheep. You and I shall, before sunset tomorrow, see Savage at his house. For the next sighting, it shall be baked, served, and ready. Fiery Floods Theatre Company presents an original audio drama, The Mortal Temples Into the Lion's Den. Smith, what time is it? Smith, where are you, man? I wish it was my own fault that I slept so soundly. What time is it? Smith, wake up for God's sakes! You called, my lord? Light a fire in my study, Smith, and call me when you're done. Consider it done. It must be his death. Already decided upon. I would not kill him for anything. He has never wronged me. But the influence he casts over Sunfall, that is worth the sacrifice, surely. He would be given a crown and the power which makes his eyes green and keeps us further apart from the deeds we once talked of in light and glory. It is the sun that bids the snake to slither from its lair. And this asks us to wander warily. We crown him. We might as well inject poison into his teeth ourselves and open our arms to his unthinking bite. Mighty men have little caution as to the repercussions of their own decisions affecting the meek and yoked because decisions without remorse increase the abuse of greatness. To say the truth of lions, I have never known his heart to sway his brain, but it is known, even to the beggar, that low station is the infant of ambition, where the fetus puts his eyes to old age and dreams wild imaginations of a life at the top of the ladder which has still not directed his course. But once the top rung has been achieved, he then scorns his adolescence and the containment the clouds have hemmed him into. Think of him as... as an egg, from the viper, yet unhatched but filled with infinite possibility. It is best to kill him while he sits in that egg, than to see what havoc he wrecks once out of its shell. Your fire is lit, but while searching for wood and flint, I found this beneath your window. It was not there when I went to bed. Off to bed with you again, Smith. Uh, tomorrow is the full moon, is it not? I will not pretend to know. Take a look at the calendar and tell me once you do. Consider it done. The phases and constellations whizzing about the ether as they do do shine a spotlight on what I need to read within them. The letter. It says, Savage, you dream while awake and see yourself, and so shall sinful. Speech turns to actions 
and actions to the veins which history is networked with. Savage, you dream while awake. I have often been told so. So shall Sunfall. I must work this out. Should Sunfall stand under one man's control and light? Should it stand, chin dropped in admiration, at a single human no more immortal than themselves? Speech turns to actions, and actions to the veins which history is networked with. Am I invited to strike like the snake we believe lions to be hatching into? Sunfall, I promise you now, if the consequences of such actions should follow you, you will receive the full story by my voice. My lord, March is waxing, fifteen days in. Well, that is good. I, I think someone is at the door. Answer it before you go to bed. Since Cross has turned me against lions, I cannot sleep. And usually I sleep like a babe, the sleep of the innocent. Between the first intention and subsequent action, the space is a void of suffering, like an absurd kaleidoscope filled only with the worst phantoms which my imagination can conjure. The state of a man's mind is like that state of a kingdom, victim to changes and the foul intentions of others. It is Cross at the door. He asks for an audience. He comes alone? No. There are others who tag along behind him. Any whom you recognise? Not at all. Their faces are covered like bandits. Their collars turned up to cast shadows upon their features, so they remain strangers. Let them come in. Consider it done. He may not know them, but I do. The images of my imagination have become concrete figures at my own door. It is at night, after all, that conspiracies whisper under cover of shadow, and evils stalk the unlit paths. By day, where shall I find a hole dark enough to cover my trespasses? Seek no shadows, this conspiracy. I shall wear it as a mask covered by kindness and loyalty, and that blue blood which Lyons believes runs without hesitation through my veins. I think we are too brutal in our morning welcome, Savage. Good morning. Are we interrupting? Not at all. I have already been up within the hour and could not find sleep all of last night. Do I know any of your group? Every one of them is known to you. None wish harm. And they all admire the name Savage. All wish you only had such a high opinion of yourself, which every soul of Sunfall reflects. They are all welcome. But I have to ask, what whispers shadow your eyes between the twilight and the dawn? May I ask for a word? Oh, why keep it to one when you have so many at your disposal? The east lies over this house. Doesn't the day break over here? No. Quick of tongue, aren't you, this morning, dear brother? Quicker than you can ever hope to be, dear sister. But it does come. And the grey lines, the amber hues of the clouds. These are the messengers of the day. You might as well just admit that you are deceived. Today it stands at this hour. But leave it a few months as the year grows older and the sun shall grow tardy. We stand here as Sunfall does, but the sun moves where we cannot. Come, give me your hands. Let's swear our resolutions. No oaths. These may suffer among the souls of the wounded, 
the abuses of time, the weak chains that corrode the strong ones. They break off betimes, and every human trips to their weary bed. So let the aspiring tyranny race on until each one of us may fall as our time is due. But if these oaths of yours, and I'm sure they do, crack and whistle and blast the very souls of cowards and clobber together the whimpering souls of the faint of heart, then, my dear fellows, what do we need but our own ambitions to make us wish to go? What other bond but that of conspirators will stand the test of time? We will remain engaged for the honesty or fall for it. All men of life, those of faith, those without heart, those hawking for leftovers, those who would welcome wrongs and those who swear even when they doubt. But do not swear to the notion of our enterprise when it is already in your blood and the blood of all of Sunfall citizens to do what is right even if in doing it we murder our own hearts. What of Chloe? Should we ask her to join us? She would stand strong and true to our cause. Well, we cannot just leave her out. And her grey hairs, frown lines and withering skin shall make us look better. For who would deny an old woman's thoughts when they have lasted so long on this earth and seen years that few of us can ever imagine? Our youth may lack gravitas, but hers... No. No? She would no sooner follow another's idea than a wolf would follow the opinion of an ant. Her opinion of herself warrants a more careful approach if we were ever to take it, and in my experience, it is not worth the breath expended to try and get her onto a side she has not baptised herself. Hmm. Then we ought to continue without her. Indeed. She is not fit. My young mind has the steadiness of a wraith. And yours the intelligence of a rock. Uh, come now. Is any man other than lions to be felled? A good question, and one I too have considered. To what end? I mark the fear in your eyes, Lord Savage. But have no fear of the point of my sword. It is not meant for you. I have long thought that Robin... What is your reasoning behind the slaying of Robin? I am intrigued. And silent of tongue? I am beginning to think you doubt my loyalties. Not in the least. My thoughts aligning to Robin are that he is too close to lions, and being of that nature which is honourable and slightly insufferable, he is bound to take up a sword after the death of lions and aim it at us. His popularity is such that it would not take long to have a rather unpleasant situation on our hands. A rather brutal course of action, to cut out the heart and then continue to the limbs even after the spirit leaves. Robin is a limb of lions. Let us trim the tree, not cut it down completely. But trees can grow even after a branch is cut off. And the worm can regrow if it is cut in half. We are all honourable. We have no quarrel with Robin. Our fight is with lions, and our cause is for sunfall. Let only one heart stop beating before we paint the streets with the blood of our brothers and sisters. Let us murder boldly, with steel as sharp as a whisper and minds as clear as the night sky. We are wolves, not hounds. Let us act like it. Our words may find the cause within our hearts to enliven the beats of our neighbours to our cause and meaning, anger our servants, and with what we believe will happen if Lyons remains with his heart beating and then chide them to make our cause necessary rather than a whimpering decision made by friends under the awning of the dawn. As for Robin, with Lyons gone, he will be as actionable and willing to do us harm as a chicken is once its head is hacked off. 
And yet you cannot sway me completely with your reasoning, Savage. Not I, my lord. The love and loyalty he has for lions will not wane with his death. For if death is good for anything, then it is exceptionally adept at intensifying feelings into a furnace which in life were merely sparks. My dear friends, cast Robin from your mind. If he's to do anything, the noble blood and high ideals that govern him will turn him to his own sword. He is a man of action, of emotions and of spontaneous moves, led more by his heart than his head. Let him live. He will find much to laugh at after the fact. Or he may fall on his sword and have done with it. It is early yet, but time to part? Yes, though it is unlikely whether Lyons will come to where we plan his demise today or not. He has become more and more worried over things such as black cats, mirrors, walking under ladders and the moons of late. Superstitious? Lions? Yes, I am sure you have noticed it too. But that is so far removed from who I used to know. Dreams and illusions, fantasy and ceremonies were once laughed upon in his voice. Indeed, it was once so. But now I fear that his renewed caution of things outside of his control may keep him from the steps of Sunfall today. Let me have a word with him. For his mind, though sharp, is open to flattery. If I tell him how he hates flatterers, he shall blush. If he hears that the stars in the sky are merely bats holding fireflies, he shall watch the twilight with a keener eye. Give me the morning. I shall turn his resolve. See if I don't. Why go alone when we can all be there to find him? Shall we give it until mid-morning? That had better be the latest. And without failure in the wings, for we cannot let it on the stage. What of Chloe, though? For the last time, no! She knows me well and owes me a few thoughts. Would it be a good idea to have her come to mine, so I may wind her mind to our thoughts? Even just to keep her from the side of Robin? It is not a good idea. It is not a bad one, either. I shall send her as I pass her house. And dawn is here, so we must go. Friends, make sure to find the four corners of this city alone after leaving Savage. We have no need to be found out before the act. And remember that while no oaths were sworn, you have all contributed. Your blood must run true and fall only in the name of Sunfall. It is so. Randall? Penelope? What are you doing up at this hour? It is most unlike you and not a good idea to rise in this chilled morning when you know your health will not permit it. Well, my lord, you are a hypocrite, are you not? In what way? Do not hold me to ideals you cannot keep yourself. For several nights now, you have not slept through. Do not say I am doubting, for I am not as stupid as you like to think me. You have not been yourself. The steady steps and conscious thoughts are no longer with you. You are with your thoughts, and they are not kind ones. I don't know what you mean. You leave my bed during the night. You stood during lunch yesterday and wandered muttering to yourself, with arms crossed and feet beating a miserable tattoo on the flagstones. You look at me as if you wished to throw me out of the window. And as now, if I bring up these points, you look at me in a way I have never experienced by your eyes. Penelope, I... When I persist, you tell me to leave the room. 
So I do, because I am scared to see the consequences of these thoughts held under the lamplight of my observation. I have hoped it was just illness, or perhaps you are not yourself, as every husband will surely be at one point or another during marriage. But this is another beast, and I do not know it at all. You will not sleep, you will not eat, you cannot touch me, you will not talk. Tell me what it is that causes you so much pain. I am not well, that is all. A good excuse, but I know you too well. If you were ill, you would have asked me or sent for the doctor. This is no illness which plagues you. Or if it is, it cannot be found in the body. And would you rather I say that you are right? I would rather you say that which is true. I have no need to be right. Penelope, you are right about many things, but please let me be and go back to bed. We cannot both end up ill. So you are sick. But how is it that you can leave your bed and walk about so on such a chilled and damp morning? I know you well enough. And at times I wish you did not. This is not a sickness of the body which ails you, my dear. No, it is a sickness of the mind. But I ought to know of it. That is the point of a wife. To share in your trials, your tribulations. To be that sounding board which your mind cannot be for yourself without extreme bias. I am no fool and I ask you please. I command you with the vows that bind us. The love we share. Tell me your troubles and why such individuals as the ones who just left our door must come to you in the dead of night when all good souls find their peace at their own hearths. Woman, you are far too good at wheedling. And you are a terrible liar. I am more like your mistress than your wife with how little you tell me of the burdens of your heart. There is no need for you to burden yourself with my troubles. You are dear to me and you know it, and always my wife. A far better person than I can ever hope to be. I know I am just a woman, but I am a woman who you married. From a well-respected family whom you held in high esteem. You think I am less worthy of your troubles inside your heart because I am the weaker sex? Or weaker in muscle, perhaps. But in the heart, we are the stronger. Tell me your troubles, darling. It is no more of a burden than not being told. I wish I were worthy of you. I will tell you the burdens on my brow, but not now. You must sleep, and if I am not mistaken, there is a knocking on the door. You may have got away with it this time, but this is not the end of the conversation. I know that. Good morning, wife. To bed. What is going on with the world this night? Maisie has woken three times with screams racking her body and escaping her throat. I dislike the whispers of the shadows and the shouting of the thunder. It is not a good omen. My lord. Oh, Maisie, you are awake. The storm, it woke me. Have you been awake long? Most of the night. You should have awoken me. In the middle of a nightmare? No, that brings even more evil into this world and is currently resident. You will not walk today, will you? I must. Victor, it is not safe. Well, neither was war. At least this is readily one ground. Is it? You are a loved man, yes. 
but even loved men may be hated by some for aspects out of their control. And so I shall walk to face them. They may thrive in the shadow of my back, but never in the gaze of my eyes. How many signs do you want that today is a fated day, and therefore a day when you should not move beyond your own threshold? What signs? Do not play that game with me. I see in the whites of your eyes and the frowns across your brow that you are as aware as I am of these fated signs. The guards have claimed the most disturbing scenes playing out on their watch these past twelve hours. Please, Victor, stay home. You, my dear, might stay at home. That is the providence of the woman. But I have been in worse places than my own city. I shall not quake at shadows. You may do that for me. You assume that because I am a woman, I am afraid. Which part of your countenance should lead me to another conclusion? Victor, I have faced enough battles and uncertainties of my own in life to know when some fights are not worth turning up to. Some signs are worth heeding, no matter how deaf and blind you wish to be to them. And how do you know that these signs you have seen are not for the slave boy in the street, or the girl who lights your fire when the bitter wind nips your naked skin? How do you know these signs from the gods are for me, and not for you? I dreamed you were murdered. I dreamed the blood ran the entire length of your body and pulled from your skin, out to flood the entirety of Sunfall. A nightmare, not more. Why must you be so stubborn? A woman's intuition is worth ten of your swords. But I have no proof that your intuition will keep those swords at bay, or even get the direction of their trajectory correct. A woman knows when she is pregnant. A woman knows when her loved ones are in danger. A woman knows what is coming round the corner before it materialises. Use your brain, Victor. Listen to me. Listen to yourself. You sound mad. Men only call women mad when they speak sense and threaten the lies you're cloaking yourself in. Leave me in peace. And let you leave the house. No, Victor. That I will not do. When the common man dies, not a flower stirs. But when princes are fated to fall, then all the night sky blazes forth. These signs are nothing but coincidences, and they scare me not. I sent out a servant to order a sacrifice. That will be my signal. Slaughter a lamb and ask how it draws parallels to you. Yes. You look, but you do not see. You hear, but you do not listen. You talk, but you do not speak. I see perfectly. I listen to you now with more patience than your litany deserves, and I am speaking as elegantly as a man surviving on naught hours of sleep can possibly accomplish. Your reason is locked in confidence, not logic. Do not go out. Send Robin, please, Victor. Call it my fear. Call it neurosis. Call it whatever you wish. I am sure there are entire works filled with such terms. Just. Do not go out today. Here comes the servant I sent out. Well, boy. They killed the beast as you requested, my lord. And? The beast had no heart. When they cut it open, there was nothing there. So the gods are saying I am without the strength of my heart. They look to provoke and, and laugh at me. This is not a good omen, my lord. You think I don't know that woman? Stay with me today. Stay home. I will tell Robin to go alone. Thank you. He will think I've lost my mind. I think you've found it, if anything. Very well. Off you go, boy. 
I am doing this to humour you, my dear. I do not doubt it, Victor. But save your political smarming for tomorrow. I'm not a subject to be won over. I don't know about that. Isn't the job of the husband to be forever shackled to trying to understand the mind of his wife? You can try. But I must keep some mystery. Otherwise, I will become as unpleasantly dull to you as a finished campaign. Well, this is a surprise. My Lord Benedict Turner, what brings you to my home this fearsome morning? I am here to collect you. Oh, well, that, that is good timing. Uh, you may collect my message and deliver it to the good group of individuals who hold that station. You are not coming? No, he is not. Say he has come down with a fever. But he does not look unwell. Are you arguing with me? I would never attempt such a slight, my lady. Then say he is sick. My dear, should I really lie? I've never been afraid of the truth, and I will not start today. Benedict, tell them I am not coming. That is all they need to know. You might give me some context, so as to avoid a ridicule when I deliver the message. What ridicule should he receive? Anyone can refuse to attend. Why should Victor be any different? My lady, might you leave us for a moment? I shall not. Perhaps the excuse should be that Lyons' wife now runs the show. Don't try me, Benedict. Now is not the time for your acidic wit. I am too tired for it. Watch that tongue of yours. Aye, my lady. As I have already said, there need not be any excuse whatsoever. I have and will continue to serve loyally, but my reason is my will. Maisie shall stay with me, but you should hear of her nightmares. Nightmares are but dreams sent by the gods to play with our perceptions. They're not portents or any sort of guidance for reality. Lion's statue was bleeding. It flooded the entirety of Sunfall. Many citizens came and bathed in it, smiling as if pleased at the spectacle. She begged me to stay at home today. Well, I can see the problem. Thank you. You have misinterpreted the dream. No, I have not. How so? The dream is important. A fortunate fortune teller. Your blood represents the power which you hold. How the beings of Sunfall shall crowd to drink from it and be revived by it. That was not the emotion which I got from it. That is understandable, my lady. The shock of blood would have twisted your perception of the dream. So horrified is any woman at violence. You think because I am a woman, I cannot stand the sight of blood or understand the sentiments of my own dreams? I do not think that... My bloods have been flowing since I were but a girl. I am the High Lady of Oakcross, and I have defended my land from kings, mercenaries and would-be emperors, and not once have I balked at the red in my bed, on my hands, between my thighs. I have borne no babes, but I have seen the blood of childbirth the blood of my most beloved husband, your leader, and I have not shied from it. I think the dream must have upset you more than I thought, my lady. Why don't you leave us and find your rest? <laughs> At every turn, you all men believe I am less than I am because I am a woman, because I do not fight with swords, because I do not have my conversations in a historical hall which has the wretched stench of semen. I am enough as I am. I am worthy of your respect because of what I am. Maisie, you sound foolish. No, you sound foolish, and you should listen to me. I would if it was true, my lady, 
but you can clearly see, my lord, what the reality of the dream was. Yes, you have explained it most accurately. No, he has not. Yes, he has. Why won't you just listen to me? Because you are my wife and I will not listen to you. I can make my own decisions. I am your wife, which means I have your best interests. You are his wife, my lady, which means that you embody his emotions. You are not logical like we are. You saw blood and instantly your mind jumped to the literal rather than the metaphorical. And your mind instantly jumped to glory rather than the well-being of my husband, which no matter the silk of your words is not your priority. But it is my priority. It is not. Your priority is your own glory, your own career. Like a cuckoo, you men will sit in the same building pretending to be for the same person or thing or ideal. But really... One by one, you will kick each other out while the mother wonders what happened to all her chicks until there is one left. The one who looks the most loyal is the murderer of the others. Maisie! Do not talk to me of priorities when you are your only one. A man only knows what it is to be selfish. A woman only knows what it is to put someone else in front of all her own needs. You underestimate my loyalty, lady. You overestimate your rhetoric. Dearest Lyons, you who have brought so much success and prosperity to my own hearth, I have carried a sword in your name. I have slaughtered in your name. I come here in your name and in your name I tell you that the dream your wife has had is a vision of success and good tidings. Not a dream to be viewed in terror or to force you to cloister yourself in four walls like a child from the shadows of the night. For is that not all dreams are? Shadows in the night? Your voice rings the truth, and you have done all you said under the banner of my name, and always you have done so honourably with my best intentions at heart. Get my robe. I shall leave within the hour. But my love... Hush your voice! Your dreams are naught more than fantasies you use to bend me to your will. Where would we be if I listened to all of your dreams? It would not be here. You are resolved then, my lord. I am. Your robe, my lord. Thank you. You could just hold it off. For another day. And let everyone know that I listen to a foolish woman? You wound me, lord. Wounds heal. But they still scar. Even the deepest scars fade with time. On the body, yes. In the mind, no. We should leave now, my lord, if we are to make it on time. Yes, I will meet you outside. As you wish, my lord. Let me come. No. Please. Why must we leave each other with this pain? Why cannot you accept my decision and support it? Because it is not your decision. I have no issue with you making choices which go against my better judgment. But use your own heart, your own head, your own tongue. Do not make others use your voice for their decisions. I am not a child. Even the strongest animal has the ability to be influenced by the wind's constant whispers. Enough. We shall continue this later. Do not stay up for me. My lord. And so he goes into the viper's nest. He expects me to wait at home for his grand return. But I am no feeble-minded female as he thinks me. I shall follow them. I shall follow them into the lion's den. 
Barry Floods Theatre Company, in collaboration with Solemnico Creative Studio, presents The Mortal Temples, Into the Lion's Den. Directed by Alexander McIntosh. Written by Alexandra Seabire. Starring Peter Adams as Victor Lyons. Kira Balfour as Maisie Lyons. Matthew Wignall as Randall Savage. Edmund Farger as Mark Cross. Amy Harrison as Naomi Turner. Alexander McIntosh as Benedict Turner. Molly Lockwood as Chloe. Chloe Shepherd as Penelope. Additional voices provided by Peter Adams, Emily Victoria and Chloe Shepherd.